Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away. Whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoy Lean. DeCam says, give me that. A pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way. Bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around. Corner, pocket, cash for Lund. Excited to welcome in Commissioner of the UMAC, Corey Borkhardt, to the pod. Corey, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on and, and look forward to uh, connecting. Starting off, wondering if you would just be able to share with us a little bit about your background towards getting to this position. I know it's a long, winding road, and you can feel free to summarize whatever you'd like to and then just kind of let us know where you're at right now. Sure, you bet. Well, I uh, started first in the the sports information world, which uh, has certainly developed in terms of athletic communications now, but I started as a a sports information director at an institution and um, fortunate to uh, connect with people and and build some great relationships and and actually served as the UMAC sports information director as well. Uh, That's really how, in terms of the conference interaction, started to... uh, immerse myself with the UMAC and, and get to know presidents and athletic directors and coaches. And so started as a conference sports information director, institutional sports information director. And then uh, from there, duties started to change a little bit more assistant athletic director type um, opportunities and, and grateful for that. And ultimately uh, had an opportunity uh, to go for the UMAC commissioner position. And I think because of my time serving as a conference sports information director really uh, helped uh, just uh, being able to build those relationships and, and know the right people. And so I fooled people uh, at a pretty young age and uh, was fortunate to get the, the opportunity to, to be in this position and very grateful to uh, still be doing it now 14 years later. But a lot of my, my background and start was really in that athletic communications world, which uh, those people are certainly... Uh, you know, work countless hours, uh, probably not always recognized or appreciated as much as they should be, but uh, they do some fantastic work. Yeah, Commissioner uh, Bocart, uh, what, uh, did, did you know at a certain time that you wanted to be in athletics to a certain extent? Was it in high school, college? I mean, was there a time maybe where it clicked that you said, uh, conference commissioner sounds kind of cool, or what? What was there a certain time in your life where you knew athletics was definitely going to be a, a spot for you to be? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I, I don't think those uh, career assessments or surveys that, you know, you take in junior high or high school, what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I don't think uh, conference commissioner seems to come through on most of those. There's a high on the list, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I actually set out in terms of college uh, planning to go into human resources and uh, kind of a good story ended up, uh, Got to, to college and found out over the summer they actually cut the human resources program. Uh, so it was kind of a quick, okay, uh, plan B, what, uh, what do we do next? And uh, at that point, felt like it was best to just go a, a general business route, kind of a business administration, uh, until I f- 
knew more what I wanted to do or figured out probably more definitively plan B. So started down that uh, business route and really um, as a student worker, having an opportunity to work in athletics, uh, again, maybe a funny story, but you know, in my head, I thought, okay, kind of towel boy, uh, you know, manager on the bench, whatever's needed, uh, student worker. And so, uh, had, had inquired to see if there was any opportunities and, and very fortunate to actually get hired in, in an athletic office as a student worker. And from there, I think that's really where my interest took off and, um, just gaining an understanding of all the different types of positions in college athletics, be it more small college, be it Division One, uh, you know, campus conference, uh, all those different settings. Uh, just by being a student worker, was exposed to that and and able to, uh, I think, kind of tune in maybe on some of the opportunities that I was hopeful then to pursue. And so, uh, again, I can't say you know at a young age or a specific aha moment I I knew I wanted to be a commissioner. Uh, but I think it was more of a progression just uh, from a student worker to working in an institutional athletic office uh, that that progression happened naturally. We can definitely relate to that a little bit, Corey, spending some time working in the uh, athletics department as student workers at Northwestern, both Wyatt and I did, and I still continue to do so actually. And Wondering if you would be willing to talk a little bit about your experience specifically at Northwestern and if there was anyone there that was specifically crucial for you to push you forward and help you along, even if it wasn't something immediately that led to the next step. But as you look back now, if there's something specifically that sticks out in your time at Northwestern. Sure. Yeah, I'm very grateful, obviously, for uh, the opportunities that I, I had at Northwestern and the, the doors that it opened. Uh I actually, the, uh, the summer that I started as a student worker, even before my freshman year of, of college there, uh, was when Matt Hill came, and obviously now um, he's been vice president, director of athletics uh, at Northwestern. Uh, and so we, in a way, kind of, I guess you could say, uh, started at Northwestern at the same time, uh, and, and he really gave me some incredible opportunities uh, from a student worker standpoint, uh, trusted me with a lot. And uh, so certainly thankful and, and grateful for, for him and uh, the leadership opportunities that he put me in uh, position to uh, tackle and, and probably uh, some risk on his part, uh, giving me as much responsibility as he did. But was fortunate uh, when I graduated from uh, Northwestern, he had created a, a full-time position in athletics communications or sports information as his role was kind of developing, morphing as well. And so a lot of my, that base, um, you know, a few years there, worked closely with Matt. Also Tim Gross, you know, it's funny, uh, probably hard to imagine now uh, for those that are around Northwestern, but at one point in terms of full-time staff there, you know, it was, it was really Matt Hill, Tim Gross, uh, Sharon, the former office manager, and you know, beyond that, certainly a little bit more in terms of some, of course, Dave Heeb athletic training and, and those types of things. But it, it, it was not uh, how it is now as far as the, the number of, uh, you know, staff members that they have, which is great for those folks. You know, I think there's a lot more work-life balance and um, able to, you know, do more things, coaching, et cetera, for those that have multiple duties. But as I ramble on and go back, at one point I remember it being just really Matt, Tim, and I, and, and Beth as well, was just starting 
around those um, same time frame, you know, we kind of did everything. So if it was game management or athletic communications or there was a facility issue or uh, whatever it is, uh, we were tackling it. So I think that's kind of a, that, that sticks out to me, I guess, from those experiences at, at Northwestern was it doesn't matter what your job description says or what, you know, maybe the, the duties you're uh, in theory supposed to be doing when it's the time to step up and you got to do something, uh, you know, you do that and you try to help and, and uh, contribute wherever is needed. And so I think going back, I guess, to your, your question and, and the start at Northwestern, people, certainly Matt Hill, Tim Gross sticks out um, as well, but there was a lot of other people as well. Dr. Kierton and I have certainly... Uh, you know, work together for a considerable amount of time in different roles. So a, a lot of great people there and, and uh, appreciate having the opportunity to start there. Specifically with basketball within this conference, Corey, I know me and Ryan noticed this and we've actually talked with other coaches and players about this. I'm sure you notice it as well. It's a very high level. It doesn't necessarily always get that respect, but for you in the position you've been in, has the game evolved over the years in your eyes and just the level of play that it's at now compared to where it maybe used to be? I think so. I, You know, I think with athletics, there's always some of a... a you know, if you're going to chart it out, every conference is going to have some years where they're more competitive, maybe some years where they're a little bit down. But you hope over a long period of time you see that trend line, right, the the progression. And and I think when you look at the UMAC, if you think about it, we've only been in uh, existence since 2008 and, you know, really 14 years. Our, our life cycle is... Uh, in a much different stage compared to conferences around us, the WIAC, the MIAC, that literally have been in existence, some of them for 100 years. So, you know, I when you look at some of those pieces, uh, I think you can see the, some signs of progress and, and evidence of that. And, and I think uh, a couple things that stand out to me. You know, this year, if you look at our non-conference record, uh, I think it speaks for itself in terms of um, both men's and women's. Uh, certainly was a solid year in that regard, and I think that record continues to improve um, out of conference. I think when you look at this year teams that right now and our standings are maybe middle of the pack, some of the wins that they have against out-of-conference teams, really solid wins, uh, you know, I think that's another evidence or, or a sign of that. And so I think also... Postseason, of course, in the end is always going to be probably for most people the the biggest test, if you will, or marker. And uh, Northwestern's obviously had some wins in the postseason. Bethany Lutheran um, beating St. John's, of course, um, as well, sticks out. Um, so I think, and then on the women's side, uh, you know, Bethany Lutheran's success over the last few years, just some huge wins. And, and even the regular season this year, Bethany Lutheran, uh, their women defeating some of the teams that they have that have or are ranked in the top 5, 10, 25. Uh, I think all those pieces, you put it together and, and it's showing, you know, that we are making progress and and I think still, uh, you know, more growth to come and, and development hopefully will continue to improve our position regionally and nationally, but, but definitely some signs of progress. We don't have to remind you, Corey, that tournament season is right around the corner here specifically talking about UMAC basketball but really an overarching question for tournaments as a whole 
How does that change your job and that little run-up towards a tournament? I'm sure a lot of planning goes into that and then just trying to put together a total experience for the general fan, for parents and administration to pull something like that off. And again, if you want to speak specifically to basketball or other sports that come to mind as well, what is this time of the year like when you build towards that and really want to culminate a full season and have a nice ending? Yeah, we, we look forward to the tournaments and championships. That's, uh, you know, both at a campus level, but obviously at a conference level as well, some of the highlights. And so we we really try to allocate a lot of time and resources to the conference tournaments and championships, um, enhance those experiences, be it giveaways for student-athletes, different things that we do from an environment standpoint, uh, you know, all those little things, touches that we can do to, to try to make it a, a more memorable, special experience for our teams and, and athletes is important. And and there's there's just something about postseason, right? There's a little bit more juice and just the intensity and uh, student sections are more revved up and um, the environment's just a, more electric, you feel it. Um, and so it, it's an exciting time, and as we get closer towards that here, certainly you start to feel that build up. Uh, even, you know, in terms of uh, coaches' evaluations on, you know, officials or game reports and things like that, we always talk about February 1st is kind of a key uh, date that you can just feel it. It starts to pick up. You turn February 1, and, and uh, that intensity increases. So, we look forward to the postseason tournament, and, and this year, you know, will be in a little bit different flavor with all eight teams making it. Uh, you know, I think that adds a new element as well that we haven't had recently, and, and so that'll, uh, you know, I think give more opportunities for student-athletes this year to experience that postseason and, and more uh, campuses to host games, which is great. And uh, I, I think it'll be a, another good week. That's always a fun week nights that we look forward to as a conference staff and uh, get excited for as well. Yeah, Corey, you mentioned that uh, change this year with everybody being able to make postseason play. It's going to be, I think, three wins in five days for the team that ends up coming out and making the NCAA tournament. So with that, uh, the team that's going to win is going to definitely be battle-tested. And like you said, this gives an opportunity for more people to experience postseason play. Uh, Was that part of the thought process in this decision, or what kind of went behind all of that? Sure. I I think really the... The starting point for the discussion in terms of our um, coaching group and also the administrative council on the decision was just early in January when we started to have more games postponed and and thankfully you know the last few weeks we've been in a better position with uh, not as many or very few even you know the last week or two really no postponed games. I think there was just a concern at that point in early to mid January was we were looking at situations where uh, two elements. One, some teams playing three games in a week to make up those games. Also, situations where some teams were playing on a back-to-back situation on a Friday-Saturday, but maybe their opponent was fresh on Saturday, didn't play Friday because, you know, there was a team that was out for a weekend. And I think there was just uh, some concern in terms of there's AQs on the line this year. You know, big difference last year. Uh, we adjusted the tournament format a year ago as well with some COVID considerations, but there was no automatic qualifiers to the Division Three championships still on the line. So this year, given that's still very much a, a significant piece of the puzzle and part of it, 
I think there was just a sense of trying to ensure that as best as we could, uh, you know, every team would still have an opportunity to um, qualify and, and do the best that they could in terms of positioning themselves for seeding, despite knowing the schedule was going to be bumpier, the makeup games was, became part of it. Um, so that was really the root of it. You know, I think a, a byproduct of it, if you will, or an output is that there are four more teams, both for the women and for the men, that get to experience that postseason. Um, and, and hopefully it helps their programs in terms of making a step, uh, making progression, taking a step. Uh, so that, that certainly is a fun out product and a, a, you know, a piece that we're glad student-athletes get to enjoy. But I think it, it really was rooted in uh, what could we do from an equity, fairness, et cetera, standpoint to try to make sure all eight teams, both for the women and men, have a, a legitimate, legitimate chance to still uh, get that AQ. Why didn't I love this time of year, Corey, when we get to the end of this month and we have plenty of memories going back past years announcing games together for Northwestern basketball, specifically at the end of the year. Wondering if you have a favorite UMAC tournament memory, specifically on the basketball side, that sticks out. I know you've been at it for quite a while and there's probably a lot that pop into your head, but maybe not even as much as, you know, as specifically in your commissioner role. Obviously, you have a lot of work to do those weeks, but maybe just as a basketball fan, to be in a gym on a specific night where it just really stuck out? Yeah, there's a lot of good tournament memories. We've had some great you know, games, both for the women and for the men in postseason. Uh, you know, one that comes to mind, I guess, just most recently or more recently uh, was the, I think you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I think it was the was it the triple overtime game Northwestern and Saint Scholastica four overtime oh, four actually, overtimes yeah. there yeah. you go see I knew you'd you'd correct me <laughs> I I was trying to get back uh, we had our indoor track and field championship is always that same day and so we typically have indoor track and field championship that day as well as women's basketball championship obviously and men's basketball championship somewhere so uh, the way that it worked out. I was at indoor track and field and then trying to get back for men. So we had a conference staff person at each game and, you know, could do the trophies and uh, those types of things at the end of the game. And so I actually didn't get there until I think it was pretty late into the second half. But from that point on, I mean, each team just hit incredible shot after incredible shots. And, uh, you know, every time you thought one team was down or out, they came back out of a timeout with a crazy shot or possession and, you know, just kept it going. And uh, so that night, you know, sticks out um, in particular just in terms of uh, watching student-athletes give it absolutely their all. I mean, at the end of that game, I just remember looking at both benches and the athletes and the coaches, you know, they had nothing left just energy-wise. given it everything, and so it's kind of that what you hope for as far as uh, just an amazing contest, environment, uh, and student-athletes probably creating memories that, you know, hopefully last a lifetime for them. So there's a lot of those, you know, that stick out some other ones as well, similar kind of buzzer beaters or uh, games that come down to the wire. Those are always fun, what you hope for um, in the postseason, but that one in particular sticks out. So there's something specifically with this job that makes it the most rewarding, whether it's being able to talk with the athletes and play uh, 
watch them accomplish uh, some of their dreams out there in these tournaments? I mean, what is it about this job for you, Corey, that uh, makes it the most rewarding? Yeah, you know, I I actually want to take a little bit different track or path, I guess, answering that question. And absolutely, student athletes are you know first and foremost in terms of. Uh, we want that student athlete experience to be positive, to be memorable. And we, we talk a lot in terms of our UMAC meetings about coming back to that student athlete experience. And so, you know, what is the impact of the decisions we make? What's the perception it's going to have on student athletes? So I'm not in any way trying to minimize that, that, you know, often is kind of our, our compass, if you will, that helps us navigate decisions. Um, but I'm going to take a little bit, uh, different path as well answering your question and I I actually interact and work with the coaches and the administrators you know even more than a student athletes that's probably one of the biggest differences between a conference office setting versus a campus setting a campus setting you're constantly working with the student athletes directly directly engaging with them interacting with them and so there's a lot more of that from a day-to-day standpoint whereas much of my interaction is with the coaches and and the athletic administrators. So I think one of the more rewarding things for me or why do, you know, I keep doing it or, or what do I enjoy is just working with the coaches. I wish, I just wish more people understood general public parents of prospective student athletes of high school athletes, uh, how hard division three coaches work you know, literally they can recruit 365 days of the year. And if they aren't, they feel like they're probably falling behind. Uh, but they don't have typically the coaching staff sizes, obviously as a division one or division two staff has. Uh, so between constantly recruiting in season, always worrying about obviously scouting prep, watching film, um, you know, self scouting, um, all those pieces the amount of hours that they pour in and energy and, you know, I think sometimes it's lost a little bit, just how much it means to them, not just for many of them, it's, you know, their livelihood and their, their way of life, but just the passion and, um, you know, what, what they pour in from a day-to-day basis. Uh, I'm not sure is always magnified or is always, um, seen or magnified the way that I think it it should be. So for me, I always love when we can help coaches accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, position them, uh, you know, where they feel they're advancing their programs, helping them develop. Uh, That helps the conference. That helps all of us in terms of uh, our identity as a league when each program can make progress. And and that's more the rewarding part, I think. Uh, Not that, again, the student-athlete piece isn't and, and certainly... Uh, also is a key part, but, but that's, that, that coaching part is often something for me that I guess I am grateful for and thankful for, uh, just the relationships that I've been able to build with our coaching groups of all of our 18 sports. We know you put plenty of hours and effort into it as well, Corey, and just kind of looking a little bit forward, I'm not sure you know what your plans are as far as how long you want to be doing this, but like you said, you've already been in it for 14 years Wondering if there's anything out in the future specifically that's at the forefront of your mind for things that you want to maybe improve the wrong word with the conference, but take it to the next level, if you will, or new ideas, whether it's in the next year or two years, or is there anything that comes to mind 
for where you would like to see the UMAC in the future? Yeah, I, you know, I think as a conference, we've accomplished some things over the last 10 to 14 years, but I also think uh, there's a lot more that we can accomplish. And, and I think uh, there's certainly some things uh, that I'd like to see us as a league uh, obtain. And so I think continuing to improve that parity, you know, basketball historically, both women and men probably are two of our sports where there's been more parity from top to bottom. Every conference is going to have a top bottom in standings, but, you know, consistently where that parity is a closer gap is a good thing. Um, and this year in particular, you know, uh, I think we're seeing that parity or that strength depth, if you, you want to look at it that way. So I think, collectively for all of our sports trying to see us make progress in that regard is a huge step that we need to take uh, i think parity and more depth in your conference helps your overall league develop it helps position you obviously for postseason for ncaa runs uh, so that's a key item and i think really that's uh, you know kind of an output or a byproduct of just strengthening our conference as a whole our membership and so uh, that's been a focus of our presidents of our athletic directors uh you know, to really focusing on how can we continue to strengthen our membership and and do that tangibly. So that's something that I'd like to see both parity in the conference and then I think the next step of that becomes being even more competitive regionally, nationally. You know, we've had teams now start to win more consistently first-round games, even getting to the second or third round, teams getting to you know, regional finals in some cases uh, for Northwestern baseball, obviously last spring comes to mind with really a game away from uh, going, well, I shouldn't even say a game, an inning, a few pitches away from going to the World Series. If we can start to have teams make consistent runs that deep in the NCAA, I think uh, that would be a good step for our conference. And I've said this in, you know, many settings and uh, I'll say it again, we can spend a lot of money on a marketing plan on all kinds of promotional um, initiatives and things of that nature. At the end of the day, the number one thing that our conference can do to help our, you know, identity and positioning is win in the postseason and make deeper runs, more runs. So there's a, a value that's hard to put on those types of runs just from a notoriety standpoint, an image standpoint, uh, there's a pretty significant value that's put on it when we can do that. And, and that'll help us continue, I think, from a, a broader standpoint of how we're viewed. And, and hopefully then that helps our programs obviously continue to build or sustain success even easier. Yeah, I'll say, uh, Corey, that game against Johns Hopkins still hurts. I was on that Northwestern team, if you didn't know that. So uh, that one, that stings. But like you said, uh, that getting to experience that as someone who played in the UMAC, that is a great experience and if you can get more of that in every sport basketball football everything along the lines here as we get moving forward I think that would certainly take the conference to the next level so with that you've got this conference tournament coming up for basketball and I'm sure you're expecting whoever comes out because it is a it's very deep this year and it's not a for sure thing who's going to win each the men's side and the women's side but I'm sure you're anticipating some great NCAA tournament games after the conference regardless of who wins the UMAC this year. Yeah, you know, I think one of the best things and one of the hardest things is where we're positioned in D3, right? So we are surrounded by, I think you can make the case, probably three, four of the toughest 
Division three conferences in the country, for sure, top 10, some even top five. We start talking about WIAC, uh, CCIW, you know, MIAC. So I think the good part of that is it pushes us. It, it, it challenges us to try to, you know, make more progress more quickly uh, when we're surrounded by the best of the best in Division three. Uh, at the same time, I think it does make it more challenging, those early round games. I, I have no doubt some of our teams that if they had first or second round matchups in a different part of the country, uh, you know, I think we'd have teams making deeper runs more consistently just by, uh, you know, how it plays out from a geographic standpoint. So we know, our teams know um, in all of our sports, no matter, you know, who in that first or second round we're matched up with, it's going to be a battle and probably somebody that's a top 10 team in the country, top 20 team in the country, just because of, you know, typically where teams around us, you know, our position, national rankings, seating, et cetera. So uh, I love our women's depth this year, our men's depth in basketball in particular, and whoever does get our AQ or if we're fortunate to get an at-large selection too, they'll be, I think, more battle-tested from a conference standpoint this year than they, they have you know, even in some recent years. So hopefully that positions them to uh, take on some of those regional uh, top teams around us. And and I, I certainly will not be shocked or surprised in any way if, if our teams win a round two, three, and make a deep run this year. Because I do think for women's and men's basketball in particular, um, both of them, uh, these are some of the, the deepest teams we've had with a lot of experience, a lot of depth uh, in recent years. We couldn't agree more, Corey. We uh, definitely hope that there's some uh, deeper runs in March this year on both sides of things and definitely uh, think that's a possibility. So we'll leave it right there. Really appreciate all the time you gave us. I know you're a really busy guy, so can't thank you enough for all the time that you've given us this evening to chat. And uh, we're looking forward to the end of this season and the conference tournaments. And a big part of putting those on is you. So, uh, again, thanks for all your work and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. And, and let me just say a thanks as well. I know, you know, since you started this, the coaches and athletes um, have really enjoyed it. The, the people that you've had on, uh, you know, I think it's it's great for our conference and, and uh, appreciate the coverage and promotional work that you've done for our athletes and coaches that are, are certainly well deserving. So thanks for your work as well. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for being on. All right. Take care, guys.